This is Dr. Benny Tate, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this week's message at Rock Springs Church. Wherever you are, I hope this message encourages you and helps you grow in your walk with God. Here's this week's message from Rock Springs Church. Our scripture reading is found in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. This is what God's Word says. It says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he had found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, put it on those shoulders, and he's rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me. For I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. More than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle. She sweeps the house and seeks diligently till she finds it. And when she's found it, she calleth her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice for me. Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. <laughs> Somebody said, Pastor Benny, the angels rejoice. No, no, no. The angels don't know anything about a salvation experience. That's not what it says. It says there is joy in the presence of the angels of God. It's not the angels rejoicing. It's those that have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. It's people that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. God, I cannot. You never said I could. You can. You always said you would. I just want to thank you for how you've manifested yourself today. God, your presence, your favor, your blessing, all things become different when Jesus passes by. And Lord, you're passing by. So I pray that you will hide us in the cross of Calvary, that people might see Jesus. And we pray this prayer until you come. Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you about how to please heaven how to please heaven now i'm convinced there are certain people that there's just no way you can please them there's just no way you can please them and the bible i think validates that because in romans chapter 12 verse 18 it says this if it be possible as much as life in you live peaceably with all men why did it say if it be possible? I'll tell you why. Because there are some people that you simply cannot please. Amen? There are people that would give an aspirin a headache. I mean, you just simply cannot please them. You just, to the best of your ability, a man gets up one morning, his precious wife says to him, she said, honey, good morning. 
He said, what's good about it? She said, well, honey, the, the sun is shining. He said, yeah, but we need rain. She said, well, baby, what would, what would you like for breakfast? He said, I'd like two eggs. She said, okay, I'll be glad to prepare them for you. How, how would you like your eggs? He said, I want one fried and I want one scrambled. She did just that. She fried one. She scrambled the other one. She put them on the table right in front of him. He had a scrolled look on his face. She said, honey, what is wrong? He said, you fried the wrong one. Amen. <laughs> now, there's people that you can't please. But the Bible says this in Proverbs 16 and 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, it maketh him even to be at peace with his enemies. I've said when you please God, it doesn't matter who you don't please. But if you don't please God, it doesn't matter who you do please. But when your man's ways please the Lord, it maketh him even to be at peace with his enemies. So apparently, ladies and gentlemen, we can make heaven smile. Apparently, we can please heaven. You said, Brother Benny, that's so encouraging. What makes heaven smile? What pleases heaven? Well, the Bible tells us in the text that we read. Verse 7 says this. It says, there is joy in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. Verse 10 tells us, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God. There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. Here's what's interesting, folks. I'll tell you what makes heaven happy. It's when people come to Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what pleases heaven. It's when we, as a group of people, bring people to Jesus Christ. You say, I want to please heaven. I know you do. And the way we please heaven, ladies and gentlemen, is bringing people to Jesus. Now, I want to make three statements. They're just real simple statements. Statement number one is this. We got to realize that people without Christ are lost. We got to realize that people without Christ are lost. You know what's interesting? The Bible said in verses 1 and 2 that when Jesus spoke, the sinners, the tax collectors, they were drawn to Jesus. When Jesus was around, the sinners and the tax collectors, the, the tax collectors were the most despised people in Israel. But the sinners and the tax collectors wanted to be with Jesus. See, let me tell you something. As Christians, our responsibility is to give people a hunger for Jesus. Our lives. See, look at this, folks. Nobody, the, the word Christian is only used three times in the Bible. And nobody in the Bible ever referred to themselves as a Christian. It was always somebody else who saw them and said, that's a Christian. They were called Christians first at Antioch. See, our lives ought to give people a hunger for Jesus. But most people in the church, their lives don't give people a hunger for Jesus, but their lives make people want to throw up. Yeah, most, most people, let me, let me tell you, the reason why a lot of people won't go to church is because they have been to church. 
And Mark Twain said, if a cat ever sits on a hot stove, it will never sit on a hot stove again. But Mark Twain said, also, the cat won't sit on a cold stove. That cat just don't like stoves. You said, Pastor Benny, what do you, what do you think? Why do you think people were drawn to Jesus? Here's what I believe. I believe Jesus was more interested in connecting than he was correcting. But I think many times today, we're more interested in correcting than we are connecting. Let, let me, I, I, it'd be a great day in the life of the church if we'd realize, folks, we just need to catch the fish. And if we'll just work hard on catching the fish, Jesus will clean the fish. We don't have to clean them. Let's just work hard on catching the fish. Amen? And then let, through the power of the Holy Spirit, let Jesus work out those things in people's lives. And he will, by the way. He will, by the way. You see, we got to realize that people without Christ are lost. Now, let me tell you. Verse 3 says that Jesus spoke in a parable. And what is a parable? A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. See, Jesus understood communication. Communication comes from, the word communication comes from the Latin word communis. Communis. What does communis mean, Pastor? It means common ground. Jesus understood he had to get on common ground with people to be able to communicate with them. And, and he gave two examples. This is the parable, but inside of it is three stories. The first story, ladies and gentlemen, is a, about the lost sheep. It's in verse 4. Look what it says. What man of you having a hundred sheep? Now, now, let me tell you something about sheep. There's some things we know about sheep, and I, I, would, I don't want to be offensive, and I don't want to be so brash, but I want to tell you a couple of things. First of all, sheep are dumb. <laughs> did, you ever, did, you ever go to a, did you ever go to a circus? I'm, I'm sure you've gone to a circus, and at a circus, they've got trained elephants. They've got trained horses. Uh, they've got trained birds. They've got trained pigs, but they don't have any trained sheep. Why don't they have trained sheep, Pastor? Because sheep are dumb. Think about it. Sheep's whole vocabulary is bah. <laughs> not, not even bah humbug. It's just bah. That's their whole vocabulary. I, I've studied about sheep, and this is what I've learned about sheep. Do you realize that during mating season, when two male sheep, two rams, are, vi are, are, are vying for the you, the female, they, they're, 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 they're both wanting the female during the mating season. You know what? how they determine who gets the female? Now, you've got to keep in mind, these, these sheep, those rams, they have those long horns. And what they do is they do a budding contest a budding contest i mean literally they take those horns and they stick them into each other to determine which one of those guys is going to get the female sheep goodness gracious you know what i'd say to those guys if i'd talk to them? why 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 don't you do a spitting contest 
Why, why don't you just flip a coin, amen? Or why don't you just let her choose? But sheep are dumb. Get this. A person that does not know Christ, they may be intellectually brilliant. They may have an IQ off the chart. They may have more degrees than a thermometer. But let me tell you something. They're spiritually dumb. You want to know where our world is? This verse shows you where our world is. 2 Timothy 3 and 7. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Ever learning. Our knowledge, our knowledge is doubling in a matter of months. We're doubling our knowledge. We're internet savvy. We're the, we're the, we're the current generation. I mean, we're the cutting generation. But ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know something. We're ever learning, but we're never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Somebody said we've got to educate them, folks. We've got to educate them from a biblical worldview or we really do it to demise to them and to others. I fear what the great apostle Paul said. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11 and 3, but I fear as the serpent beguiled or deceived Eve through subtility, show your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. Let me tell you something. Sheep are dumb. But let me tell you something else about sheep. Sheep are directionless. Sheep are directionless. See, a cow will come back to the barn. A horse will come back to the stable. Have you ever tried to get rid of a cat? We, we, we had a rabbit on one occasion. And you just, you just feed the rabbit pellets. And all the rabbit does is give the pellets back. <laughs> and I left the door open several times. <laughs> and the rabbit would leave. And then the rabbit would come back. <laughs> but let me tell you something. Sheep are directionless. They nibble with their heads down. And sheep will just keep nibbling and nibbling and nibbling. And they will get so far away from the herd, the flock. Let me tell you something. Isaiah 53 verse 6 says we are like sheep. We've gone astray, and we've turned to our own way. But thank God, God laid the iniquity. God laid the iniquity of us all on him. I, I just want you to know, that's why, ladies and gentlemen, that's why God needs us. Because we have a responsibility to go out and get the sheep. Not one time. Does the Bible tell a person who doesn't know Christ to come to church? If you say that, you're taking it out of context. Not one time does it tell a person who doesn't know Christ to come to church. But over and over, it says to us, you go get them. Because sheep have to be led because they are dumb and they're directionless. Now, he told the story about the lost sheep. But he also told the story about the lost silver. 
It's in, it's in verses 8 and 9. It says there's this woman, and she's got 10 pieces of silver. And, and what happens if she loses a piece of silver? I want you to see something. It's, it's about a woman who's, who's lost a piece of silver, and the silver represents a person. I want you to see something. It was lost in darkness. You say, Pastor, how do you know it was lost in darkness? Because she has to light a candle. It was lost in darkness. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 says this, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Folks, let me say to you today, people are lost in darkness. And we become accustomed to the dark. And it's getting darker and darker and darker. And the only hope is the shining the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because people are lost in, in darkness. I'll tell you something else. People are not only lost in darkness, but people are lost in dirtiness. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? Well, think about this. She lost it, and the Bible says in verse 8, she sweeps the house. Now, they didn't have hardwoods. They didn't have ceramic tile. So what is she sweeping? She's sweeping the dirt. So the coin just gets dirtier and dirtier and dirtier and dirtier. What does sin do? It makes us dirtier. It takes us dirtier. It takes us dirtier and dirtier and dirtier. It's why in days gone past, they'd say, that's a dirty book. It was referred to as, those are dirty books on the shelf. That's a dirty movie. It's a dirty movie. It was lost in darkness. It was lost in dirtiness. But lastly, it was lost in disgrace. Say, so Pastor, explain it was lost in disgrace. Well, let me explain. In biblical times, when a man married a woman, and let me just say this. In biblical times, a man married a woman. God help us. God help us. God help us when, I, when we live in a state where the universities in our state, universities in our state are saying, we no longer have homecoming court. We no longer have a king and a queen. We want to make it gender receptive. So we'll have a royalty court. That way we can have two women or two men. No, no. In the image of God created him, them male and female. In the image of God, he created them male and female. Now look. 
I have people, I have people that get upset with me and it'll take half of a baby aspirin for me to sleep tonight. But you won't be upset with me. You won't be upset with me when a 21-year-old man wants to walk into the rest, same restroom that your eight-year-old daughter's in. You'll say, thank God for a preacher that tried to stand. In biblical times, a man married a woman. And how we give wedding rings, they gave many times a headband. And the headband had 10 coins inside of it. And see, those 10 coins represented something. If you saw a woman with nine coins, that was an indicator that adultery had taken place. Thank God today we don't have headbands. <laughs> that was an indicator that adultery had taken place. So see, she just lost one. And she said, I don't want people to see me because it'd be disgraceful. Let me explain something to you folks. Sin's dark, sin's dirty, sin's disgraceful. And I want you to realize something. I want you to realize people without Christ are lost. But I also want you to remember that people without Christ are loved. People without Christ are lost, but people without Christ are loved. A person may go to hell unsaved, but they'll not go to hell unloved. Because God loves people. And verses 4 and 5, it talks about the shepherd coming and putting the sheep upon its back. The shepherd is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I just want you to know, folks, he is the good shepherd. He is the good shepherd. I love what John 10 11 says. It says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Uh, folks, in the Old Testament, the sheep died for the shepherd. But thank God in the New Testament, the shepherd died for the sheep. Amen? <laughs> he is the good shepherd. And because he's the good shepherd, he dealt with the penalty of our sin. That's why John could say in John 1 and 29, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, he's the good shepherd. And he dealt with the penalty of our sin. But oh, he's not only the good shepherd, but I want to quickly say he's the great shepherd. <laughs> he's not only the good shepherd, but he's the great shepherd. Look what Hebrews says. Hebrews says, now the God of peace that brought again, that brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. I want to remind you folks, he's the good shepherd and he dealt with the penalty of our sin, but because he's the great shepherd, he dealt with the power over sin. Amen? 
Oh, oh, listen, I'm preaching better than you're responding. Listen, he's not only the good shepherd, he's not only the great shepherd, but it, it gets better, folks. He is the chief shepherd. Look what the Bible says in 1 Peter 5 and 4. It says, when the chief shepherd shall appear... Ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Folks, the good shepherd dealt with a penalty of sin. Oh, the great shepherd, he dealt with a power over sin. But thank God the chief shepherd is going to take us away from the presence of sin. Can we just give a praise break for the good, good, great chief shepherd? And if you ever have a pity party, sometimes we have a pity party, and the thing about a pity party is nobody comes to your party and nobody brings a gift. But if you ever have a pity party and you wonder if anybody loves you, does anybody care about me? Does it, do I mean anything to anybody? Here's my advice to you. Just take a look at the cross. Just look at the cross, and you'll never doubt, ladies and gentlemen, how much Jesus Jesus, the Lamb of Glory, loved us. But God demonstrated his love toward us, Romans 5 and 8 says, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to realize people without Christ are lost. I want you to remember people without Christ are loved. But then lastly... I want you to resolve to bring people without Christ to the Lord. Resolve to bring people without Christ to the Lord. I've spent weeks preaching about why church. Pastor, why church? Let me tell you what the mission of the church ought to be. It's found in Matthew 28. Verses 19 and verse 20. The mission of the church ought to be threefold. Number one, we're to make them. We're to make them. Look what the scripture says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. A church, our church or any other church, will never please God until it gets a heart for all nations. Our church or any other church will never please God until it gets a heart for all nations. And it gets a heart for all people. God loves people. God loves Asian people. God loves Chinese people. God loves white people. God loves brown people. God loves black people. God loves all people. And the church will never be what it ought to be until it gets a heart for all people. And Acts 1 and 8 says this, but she shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You said, Pastor Benny, I'm a believer. I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. Is that right? Yes. Well, why did God give me the Holy Spirit? But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. Where, Pastor? Jerusalem. Where was they at? 
Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Oh, it later goes to Samaria, Judea. But where was they at? Jerusalem. Get this, folks. Somebody says, I want to go on a foreign mission trip. Get real. You don't walk across the road and invite your neighbor to church. Why? Hey, hey, listen, folks. Let me, let me tell you something. God help us to not fly over a mission field to get to a mission field. There's people all around us that don't know Christ. And to be a missionary, you don't have to cross the seas. You've just got to see the cross. And you've got to do it right where you're at. I preached last Sunday, and I told the people, I said, we've got bags this year, little bags, and you put a card in the friend day bag, and you put some whatever you want to put in it, candy, whatever you want to put in, and you just use it to invite people to friend day. You know, I never know who's listening. I, I, I never know who, 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 who's listening, but there was a little six-year-old boy by the name of Braden Rice. And after the service, he said, Mama, can I get one of those shirts? She said, you sure can, Braden. He said, Mama, I want to get 20 of those bags. She said, no, no, you don't understand. Those, they, th those are important. They had to buy them. He said, no, no, Mama, I want to get 20 of them. Because I'm going to go in our neighborhood to 20 neighbors, and I'm going to knock on their doors. I'm going to, no, 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 let's, let's don't rejoice. Let's do something about it. Let's don't rejoice. Let's us do something about it. No, no, let's, let's don't clap and holler if we're not going to do anything ourselves. Braden, Braden knocked on 20 doors and said, we're having friend day at our church on November the 5th. We're having a service on Saturday at 5 o'clock. On November the 6th, Sunday, we're having these services. I sure wish you'd be my friend. I sure wish you'd come to church with me on that day. And they walked in and they told me the story about what that little old boy had done, that little old six-year-old boy had done. And I said to myself, God help us. God help us. A six-year-old boy gets it. A six-year-old boy understands why we're here. A six-year-old boy understands it's about making disciples. God help us. God help us. Let me tell you something. You say, well, pastor, I'm shouting in church. I'm hollering in church. I'm rejoicing in church. Praise God. You'll be able to do that in heaven also. But in heaven, you'll not be able to reach one person for Christ. That tells me we better do that here. Good preaching, Benny! It's about people, ladies and gentlemen. God's not into buildings. God's not into budgets. God's not into backdrops. God's not into bands. God's into his bride. God's into people. He said, you got to make them. But he said, Benny, not only do you need to make them, but you need to mark them. Look what verse 19 says. Wait, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I am, but I could preach a month. Look here. Yeah. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Look, baptizing them. You say, Pastor, it's really not that important. Why did Jesus begin his ministry by getting baptized? 
Why did Jesus begin his ministry by getting baptized and end his ministry by telling us to get baptized? If it's not that important, why, why did Jesus do that? Why did Jesus walk 50 miles out of his way just to get baptized? You say, well, I'm, I'm praying about it, preacher. No, no. See, I have people say this to me. Well, when I was a baby, I was christened. That has nothing to do with nothing, by the way. That baby dedication is more about dedicating moms and dads. That baby is not conscious of its actions. See, you say, well, well what does the Bible teach? It, it teaches Acts 2 and 38. Repent and be baptized. You say, well, pastor, when I was a little girl, there was five or six of us walked down an aisle, and they baptized us all. Yeah, but you was 30 when you gave your life to Christ. You, you, you got to get your baptism right. You got to get your baptism right. Repent and be baptized. You say, well, what do I do, Pastor Benny? Next Sunday. Next Sunday, October the 30th, they said, Pastor Benny, it's your turn to baptize. I said, that's great. But you got to get your baptism right. You say, well, I can go to heaven without being baptized. You can't go to heaven obediently without being baptized. You say, well, I want to do what God tells me to do. That's the first thing he told you to do. Before you start the second, the third, the fifth, the sixth, the 18th, the 20th, you might want to do the first thing he told you to do after you got saved. That is get baptized. See, we got to make them, we got to mark them, and we got to mature them. We got to mature them. Look what he said in verse, in the text. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. See, God's not content if people just show up. God wants people to grow up. And you say, well, Pastor Benny, how can, how can I grow? Here's, here's what I'm going to say, and, I, and I, I'm done. The greatest thing you can do is get in a small group. Greatest thing you can do is get in a small group. You say, well, the Holy Spirit directly teaches me everything. No, no, that's not good enough, folks. If the Holy Spirit would directly teach you everything, God wouldn't have called preachers and teachers to pour into you. If the Holy Spirit was going to teach you everything, there wouldn't be Christian preachers and they wouldn't be Christian teachers that God's called to pour into your life. Make them, mark them, mature them. 33 years ago, I came as pastor. I close with this story. There was a man in the church, his family had been in the church all the years they were here long before I got here. This man was in his late 40s. And they said he played a part in the church. I don't know exactly how big a part, but they said the man played a part in the church. And I said, that's good. The man and I were friends. We had no problem. We, we, were, we were friends. But I've been the pastor here 33 years, and he left. And he never, never went anywhere else to church or really didn't come here he just didn't go 
Somebody said, Pastor Benny, how do you feel when somebody leaves the church? Well, I, I know people are going to leave the church. But I want to make sure they're going somewhere else. Because, ladies and gentlemen, people are not for the church. The church is for the people. And you listen to this preacher, you need God's house. You need God's people. You say, well, I'm, I'm doing, no, no, no. See, you think you're doing something, but you don't realize you need it. I need it. We all need it. You say, well, they need me. They, well, there's an element of that that's certainly true. But see, not only do they need you, but you need them. You need church. You desperately need it. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And so for 33 years, I really didn't, every once in a while I'd see the man, but I never saw him. And he called me. And he said, Pastor, I want to apologize to you. I said, you don't, you don't owe me no apology. Why, why would you apologize to me? I love you. He said, no. I've let you down. He's in his 80s now. I've let the church down. I let God down. And this is all I'm going to say, folks. I don't want to get to the end of my life and say I've let the church down. I've let the preacher down. I've let God down. I've let myself down. I want to please heaven. I want to please heaven. I want to make heaven smile, folks. I want to please heaven. Because let me just say this in closing. 2 Corinthians 5 and 10 says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So we might get by with a lot of things, folks, but every man and woman is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And I want to make sure when we stand, we're pleasing heaven. One of the greatest things we can do to please heaven. It's not your decision whether or not they come. It's not your decision whether or not they give their life to Christ. But you do have a responsibility to do your part. Many times, Ezekiel 3.19, I didn't mean to share this. It says, Yet if thou won the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity. But thou hast delivered thy soul. We just got to do our part to make heaven happy. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Rock Springs Church. If you would like more information about Rock Springs, be sure to follow us on social media or connect with us at rockspringsonline.com. Join us right here next week for another message from Rock Springs Church.